Hi, welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. And I'm Dr. Baker J. Baker, uh, Apostle Dr. Baker J. Baker. And I have, this is our last week of uh, talking about suicide with this dynamic couple, Apostle Marshall McGee and uh, Prophet Randy McGee. So welcome. And today we're going to be talking, they're going to do most of the talking uh, because we brought up all of these questions and all of these different kinds of things. But before we start, I want to let you know that if you need any help, if you need someone to uh, come to where you are and train people, uh, lay people, getting people into your building that are believers and not believers, uh, whatever it is that we're available, we desire to assist you in doing what it is that you're doing because we don't want anybody dying. We don't want anybody dying without Christ. We don't want anybody dying prematurely with Christ. We don't want people killing themselves. And so this is the reason that we've been doing this program. And I am so grateful to uh, my friends and family here, um, uh, Randy and, 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 and Marshall. And I want to just thank you for us being able to do this together. This has been fun. So, yes, it has. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing some other things later on in the year. So it's going to be great. Go ahead there, Marshall or Randy, whoever it was that wanted to start. You can start talking about the depression and how people don't want to don't want others to know because suicide and thinking about that is a private thing and how that can blow a person up. Yes, I think it is so true. I just want to read something here that to help give perhaps people can get kind of a heads up, just what we would consider layman. Uh, and this it's a quote that says this. Um, everybody struggles in life. It's normal to feel sadness, despair, anxiety, and stress from time to time. But for some people, feelings of deep depression, paralyzing anxiety, or overwhelmed things become the constant backdrop to their lives. And so sometimes people will start thinking because of that, uh, their situation of, of, as being hopeless, that there's no way out, and that there is no remedy for their particular situation. And this, so what happens, they tend to go into this downward, downward spiral uh, in their life, and it causes them to become closed in. So I just kind of want to start out with that, because sometimes we that are trying to help people, we don't always know what's going on inside a person. And sometimes it's even difficult to read their outward behavior because it becomes a private thing. So one of the things that we look for is sudden withdrawal. Uh, like maybe they were engaged in certain activities and then all of a sudden they begin to pull back. Or maybe they were talkative and now they're very quiet. They hardly have anything to say. And these are just some, perhaps some subtle things to be able to alert for that can help to, you know, intervene in a situation where a person probably has not said anything to, to an individual about what's going on inside of them. I think that's a good place to start. Okay. 
You know, in what it is that you just said, there's 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 a lot in that because what happens is this, and especially if you're, you know, you look at these different temperaments. That the caloric will probably never kill themselves unless they do it on on uh, by mistake. Okay, and um, uh, especially the caloric and control. You know, unless they're they're trying to get attention and. They'll, they'll use the behavior and then, wow, okay, I didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> and, and and they end up, you know, just, it was a mistake, you know. But yeah. there's other of these temperaments, especially the supine and the, the melancholy. The supine could actually um, uh, 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 do that because one of the things of it is they have, um, and particularly males, they suffer from pent-up anger and feelings of inferiority and worthlessness. Um, uh, but then, even them with males, it's a ploy for attention. And um, um, because to complete the act, they need courage. So you're looking at people that are saying, you know how, you, you know, people get to the place and I've seen cutters. And, and what mm-hmm. you start to look for signs in the body also. You start to look for people that have picked at their face or have have cut themselves, slight cuts and things of that nature. And then what happens is you start to notice that they're getting deeper and deeper. What happens mm-hmm. is that they're building up the uh, um, the uh, ability to re- to take that pain. All right. Mm-hmm. They 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 start to drink excessively and then take medication and things of this nature. But we're having and then what happens is they end up calling it a, a, a accidental overdose. Many of those accidental overdoses were not accidental. People actually to get out of the world because they um, there's there's all of this there's all of this hopelessness. And I think that one of the things that we've done we repeat it verbally. We we don't realize how how important our words are. How many times have we heard, how many times have we heard people say, well, after the pandemic, because of the pandemic, because people were closed off, because of this, we give excuses. We give reasons. And then people, especially those that are like tofu, like the brain is like tofu. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you put to it. And it will take that thing in and it will start to believe it. We start to mimic. Right, right. Right. See, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I like that point because it does kind of put a thought in your head. And I think sometimes the professionals get so statistically minded that miss the reality that everyone's different and everybody's as humans, as you just named those different temperaments, that you can't just do everything by a statistic. And I think in dealing with this issue, that we have to acknowledge our humanness, but also the humanity of the other person. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do is to be present first within ourselves, but also be present when we suspect or sense those things uh, that people are dealing with, to be available. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it might just simply mean following through. How many believers, and I think, Dr. Baker, you've experienced this, where people have said, God put, me, put them on my heart, and I didn't call them. Mm-hmm. I didn't reach out to them. 
and and how people flippantly ignore those nudgings. I'm talking about believers now, because that call might have been the call that saved that person's life. Mm-hmm. And so part of this equation, it means that we're also present and then be present for the hurting person. You know, uh, that is so that is so powerful. I'll call it when uh, I, I get this inkling about people and I'll uh, I'm not I don't like texting, but I'll text them or I'll call them. I'll call them and I'll keep calling. And you know, I'm like a bad penny. I'll keep showing up and showing up until you call me back. I'm going to keep calling you until you call me back. I'm going to keep calling you until you call me back. And the reason for that is, is that it won't, he won't let it go for me. But let's go back to this thing. I, I just keep thinking about this thing. I think that we should stop people when they're talking to groups of people talking about how this pandemic, how it, uh, people being closed off, how it bothered everybody. It didn't bother me at all. I enjoyed my house. I enjoyed my, <laughs> I enjoyed my company. I mean, one of those things. But see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, um, I am, I'm not an extrovert, but I can enjoy, I mean, and, and, you know, I seem like one, but I'm not one. And that's another thing that we have to start to reading people, not how we see them out there or how they do certain things. But I'm okay. Uh, I'm I'm one of these people that I'm okay if we go on these conferences and things, and I stay in my hotel room. I mean, I, I'm okay. I don't have to go sightseeing. I don't have to right. go. I don't have to go there. I don't. I don't really want to in the first place. I'm not that kind of an interactor. And and uh, in that in that part of that melancholy, in that part of that. But one of the things that I have to be cautious of, I have to be cautious of my thoughts. Right. Be cautious of how people, how I see me thinking about other people. Because it can be how they or how my situation is thinking about me. So I, I, I really believe that we, we really need to stop saying what we hear on television. And just as Marshall was saying, we need to stop saying what the, all the statistics say, because what we're doing, we're giving people demonic things to think about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without realizing it. And so we have to be, because the, you know, pandemic didn't bother me either. You know, life went on and it's still going on. So, so giving people this, you know, I guess it's a, a reason to, to live. And I've been around people that, that were, have been very, very depressed and just, tried my best to be there to listen or to quietly pray if they're not talking and they don't feel like talking. I've done that for people. I just quietly pray and try to and just be there. Because I think the key, you know, just, you know, I know this might sound a little goofy, maybe not, but just loving people and being, just being, being you who God created you to be but also being sensitive enough to recognize that maybe a brother or sister is hurting. I remember I shared a, a few programs ago when we, when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my granddaughter looked, so I could tell something was wrong with her. And I said, just come sit over here by us and just feel the love from us. 
and that began to minister to us. We didn't exchange. I didn't say, what's going on? What's wrong? I just knew something wasn't right. And then found out later that an adult had said such, such terrible negative words to this 11-year-old kid. And I thought, How? anyway, I want to go find that adult. But at any rate, just letting that child feel the love and feel like people care about you and you do have value in work. And whatever those words were, then they don't matter because we value you. And so things like that, just being sensitive. What you just said was so pregnant. This is one of the reasons that many people do themselves in because somebody has said something to them that hit the or that hit an area. How do we help them to overturn these things that they've heard that are really not true about them, but they heard it and they took it to they they, they took it as a part of them. I mean that that was that that was a powerful part because that is one of the key things that happens. You know, uh, Randy spoke in one of our other programs about the thoughts. Okay, where do those thoughts come from? Somebody has spoken and let you know whatever it is, and it can be. This is the way anorexia starts. I used to have a lot of anorexic patients. Okay, and 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 here it is: uh, a father or some uh, some figure or somebody. It didn't even have to be anybody important. Mm-hmm. You, you look like you gained a little weight. They were only 110 pounds in the first place. And instead mm-hmm. of go suck eggs, you know, what they did is they took it in. And, and, mm-hmm. and what do we, how can, how, uh, because these things will happen. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the world that they're not going to happen. We're going to have hurts. We're going to have those. Right. Like for, uh, we, we, yeah, we got about 10, 12 minutes or whatever. Oh, wow. So I know can it. Can I say this real quick? Go for it. Take your time. Especially in families, we feel like, especially if you're an adult or a parent, you feel like, well, that's my daughter or that's my son, and you can just talk to them any kind of way. And the last thing you might have said might have been the, the, the straw that pushed them over the edge because you feel we feel like, well, that's my whoever, and I have a right to speak my mind to them. And it's not always true. And so even sometimes, and it just goes back to sensitivity to people. And if we can learn to be do better just being sensitive, then we could perhaps be the catalyst that can prevent some people from taking their own lives. That's why I just wanted to throw that in. Thank you. I think so you guys have the last part of this time. Go ahead. How can, you know, one of the questions is, how can we get people to uh, reconnect, you know, because you disconnect because somebody has hurt you or you got rejected or you've been devalued. So the thing is, we have to help people to reconnect and and let them know that people are going to say things. Life is going to have negative and positive things. But the thing is, we can we can overcome this. We can beat this because we don't put ourselves in that box. So we have to help them get out of that box and give them the tools that are going to help them get out of that box. You know, and so one of those things is 
journaling, writing down situations and, and going back and looking at that situation and seeing what were the things that caused us to get to where we are. And, and so sometimes reading that and looking at that can, because sometimes we can sabotage ourselves. So a person that wanting to commit suicide, sometimes they can do things without realizing it that set them up for that uh, sabotage. So I, for example, I was with my nephew and my nephew was going through suicidal idolations, but some of it I could see that he set himself up, but when it caused him pain, he was blaming other people. He was blaming people that were closest to him. So I had to backtrack and take him back to a situation that he suggested and the things that happened was because he suggested it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so when, when I took him back there, he realized, oh, okay, I did contribute to that. So, uh, so now I had to show him um, how to, you know, how to get involved in something that's going to help him stop having the pain that he's having. So I brought him a Bible. <laughs> I bought him other books that he could read that would um, show him who his real enemy is and how to, um, and how to see himself in, in a more positive way. Go ahead, Marshall. I can tell you, you chopped it at the bit. Well, that was one solution, which is, but you know, he was teachable and he was wanting because he wanted help. I think when you get a case like we talked about last week, where a person says, I don't give a, a, I don't give a damn about God. I mm -hmm. don't care about me. When you're dealing with that, when people are going that far, then we need other solutions. Uh, and sometimes suggesting, because I've been there, well, let's pray. People are like, pray for what? I ain't pray for a God that won't hear me. And so being more uh, crafty, I guess, yes. and getting people to open up without coming off as being so spiritual, uh, because when people have a track record of people praying and nothing changes, then it does cause them to shut down more. So sometimes <laughs> church people don't get upset with me. That's not the best solution because a hundred people showed up to pray for me and nothing happened. And that's right. Come. And so I don't have any confidence that God cares about me. <laughs> and so, so part of the remedy for that is if God didn't care, I wouldn't be here because I'm his representative. Mm -hmm. So whatever you want to do, if you just want to sit here, I'll sit here. If you want to holler, go ahead and holler. If you want to curse, go ahead and do that. Whatever you need to do to get relief. But I'm here for you. And we'll go from there. And giving people the right to be where they are, yet being that Pre preventive measure to help them 
to have her come bent to reverse so they can come back into reality. And I think that there's no, and, and, tech, and actually, there's no easy answer. No. Or no, do this, do this, do this. Because each case is going to be different. Each person mm -hmm. is going to be different. And so it goes back to us and family members perhaps being more sensitive that you don't drive people away, but you create doorways. It's kind of like I was a salesman for many years. And one of the things that they taught us was to, to give people open questions. Like mm -hmm. They don't say, may I help you? But we would start off with a greeting, perhaps. And then we would say, uh, um, is there something particular you're looking for? You know, but just so I help you, you're always going to get, no, I'm just looking. But they taught us how to engage people, not as a salesman, but on a people-to-people level. And perhaps all of us can get retrained just in people skills. Yeah. Because uh, some of us, even people in the world and people in the church, is some of the meanest people I ever met. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, church folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so the hypocrisy as believers, this is that's another lesson. Let me get off of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's one of those things that's, that's that's true. Just because, but you see, here's here's the thing you let them know. Just because that person is a turd has nothing to do with who I am and being yeah. here. See, I don't care about all them other people. They are, okay, let's say they're nasty. And you know what? God don't care that you're mad at him. It's okay. He can handle it. That's right. Okay? He can handle it, okay? And I can handle it too. But just don't compare me with all them other people. And don't compare yourself with all those other people. And when you, when, when you start to break that down, when you start to put yourself sometimes, this sometimes this works, when you start to put yourself on the same level as them. Yeah, I saw that how nasty they are. But just because they nasty don't mean that everybody is nasty. Have you ever gone into a nasty house and then you went into a clean house? Have you ever mm -hmm. done that? You know, and, and, and those things. And so as, as Randy had talked about, both of you actually, had talked about we switch. We, get to, we, we start to work with the brain. We start to have it where the brain starts to switch. You got to shock the brain. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. uh, uh, electroshock uh, treatment. But sometimes mm -hmm. you have to shock the way that people are thinking because they're expecting you to come at them with this sweet uh, uh, Jesus stuff, okay? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when you don't, when you come to them as them, you, are, are you really a Christian? I don't know. What is it? You know, mm -hmm. are you really, mm -hmm. uh, what difference does it make? I'm here for you. Right. You yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's being real. That's where you let them be real and you be real. I just had a conversation yesterday and, and my friend said, could I just be real? I said, yes. And so we have to be more real, especially when you're dealing with someone that's in that place. If we're going to show the love of Jesus, one of the things that is he identified with hurting and fallen humanity so that he can bring them into salvation. And I believe that we have to identify more or need to with fallen humanity so that we can win them to salvation. And when people are having suicidal thoughts, 
or they're thinking about taking their lives, there is a greater sensitivity that we go in with so that we can relate to them, not as a preacher, not as an apostle, not as a believer per se, but as another human that can identify with your pain. Because I went through a trauma two years ago, so I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. I lost both of my parents. They died on me and left me. And you know what? I was angry. I said, my mama died and just left me. That's crazy, but I did feel that way, right? And so being able to just being present that way and, and don't be so spiritual because they there. So that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, and so, but being identifying, humanity identifying with humanity, and we can serve that those people better, and again, perhaps become the catalyst that reverses their thinking. And then sometimes it's just confronting the thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done that. I've took people's faces in my hands and looked at right eye. Look at me, look at me. Like in the movies, they used to slap people in the movies to slap them back into reality. But you can get arrested for assault today. I, I know, I know, I know. I ain't going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what I've done. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. Anything. All right, I got an idea because I knows you. <laughs> but, you know, it is common for people to, when their when parents or whatever it is dies, because my, when my father died, I was five, and I was so angry, but I thought it was on me. I walked through that a whole lot of years because a lot of times people think I should have been able to do something. And I, I think that um, one of the things, another part, another uh, one that kills themselves a lot are the intellectual Christians. The intellectual Christians. You got a minute and a, you got about a minute and a half to talk wow. about intellectual Christians. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, the intellectual Christian. Unless you want to come back for one more week well, program. We'll come back for that one. Yes. Okay, we'll come back for that because I want to talk about that. I want we want to talk about that. Yeah, one. let's dig into that. Let's do one more. Okay, we'll do one more, and we'll do it on the uh, 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 one more, which will be two sessions, and we're going to do it on the intellectual believer, the intellectual Christian. Okay. Okay. We're going to look at this and see why the, that one that understands the Bible, that one that can exegete in and out, that one that can know the Greek, the Hebrew, all of these other things, but yet they're depressed and they don't want to live, and they go ahead and do whatever they do to themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you're for it. Yes, that sounds great. Okay, <laughs> so let's get, let's get excited about that, and we're going to advertise that. All people, I want you to realize too that Apostle Marshall is on the um, uh, Senior Council of Love and Unity, and so am I. And our conference is the second through the fourth of June. Mm -hmm. We want you there, and you'll be able to see him. I heard somebody say, well, Marshall acts one way, and he, my God, he was whatever it is there, but he was on the program with you, and he was so subdued. So on the next program, he will not be subdued. This is, <laughs> this is Dr. Baker, Jake Baker, with the still telling it like it is, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>